I just give you a letter? We're doing a documentary about Scientology. Wait, I've got... Scientology. Scientology. A religion created by a sci-fi writer, run by a mysterious leader, David Miscavige. So this is my chance to experience Scientology firsthand. You need to leave. How you doing, Mr. Squirrel? You guys are trespassing. Got anything to say? It's okay, we have a permit. Why are you here? He's right behind us now. We have their attention. Why are they doing this? It's just not like any church that you can think of. Gradually, I realized they were never going to let me in. I began thinking of another way inside. Hello and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 89, and my name is Scott. And my name is Michael. Nice one. All right, on today's episode, we're going to catch up on the films and TV shows we've been watching, as well as the week in film news for our featured Halloween mm-hmm. r- review of... Pontypool. Good old Pontypool. I, I don't know why I say good old. I actually hadn't seen it before this week. The Town of Pontypool uh, from director Bruce McDonald. Uh, so you can subscribe to all of our episodes on iTunes. Please do so. That'd be great. If you have an, uh, an Apple device, which like I don't, but like still go there and hit the you subs- can still subscribe. Just subscribe to your computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I should do. You can leave us a rating and review. That's the most important part. That's the point of my conversation here right now, guys. Uh, you're leaving us a five-star rating on the vertical viewing page on iTunes, and you're going to leave us some sort of recipe. Is it in time for Halloween? Are we still continuing? Mm, something pumpkin-y. No, I'm done with pumpkin. Done with pumpkin? That's true. Pumpkin everything is sort of overdone this time like, of year. By the time it? Halloween comes, you're already... That's because they start stuff in September now with pumpkin spice lattes and, I don't know, pumpkin cars. Yeah. I would want, a, like, a pineapple mm. uh, jack-o'-lantern, you know? Interesting. Hollow out a pineapple and, and then put them... I feel that's more dangerous on Halloween because if people pick up pumpkins and throw them, <laughs> it's not terrible. Uh, picking up pineapples and throwing those... <laughs> Those things are deadly weapons, man. They're all spiky. You don't want to leave those out around Halloween. Nature's grenades. They'll look cool, but they are dangerous. Yeah, so I don't know. What are, what are they leaving us? Something with pineapple, please. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. And I like the being less specific uh, path we've been going down the last few episodes. So pineapple something, because pineapple is delicious. Pineapple sponge cake is pretty dope, right? Ooh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you can also go to our website. Please do that as well. This is actually more important, so probably should move it up. You know, switch these up. So hit up the website first, then be like, man, these guys are great. I'm mm. going to go subscribe. Yeah. Done. You're going to see a donate button on our website. Feel free to click it. Uh, you can pay through PayPal. Uh, Dogecoin coming soon. Uh, what else? Bitcoin. Mm. Seems to be not the thing anymore, right? No, it's disappearing. Yeah. What's this Ethereum thing I keep hearing about? Is that still around? I don't know. Okay. Is cryptocurrency even cool or? I don't, uh, what with cyber warfare and cyber defense being a huge issue at this point, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but please go to our website. You know, that aside, yeah. we, we take PayPal. Anything you can do helps us keep the lights on, helps us offset the cost of 
Seeing movies. Seeing movies, putting on the show. Carving out uh, that place on the internet. You know how it all goes at yeah. this point, man. Uh, yeah, but we actually, we appreciate everything that the, the listeners can do. This uh, We really do. Show is purely by donation. It will always be free. It certainly will always be free. Uh, you know, Patreon coming soon. Hopefully, you get your vertical viewing t-shirts. Mouse pads. Mouse pads. Someday soon. Mm, maybe phone cases. Yeah, you can get those going. Yeah. If we just have like a red bubble page, I think they just, you know, put it on whatever. You can get like a vertical viewing you know, couch pillow. Sweet. Wow. Okay. Pretty, pretty neat, right? Duffel All right. bags. All right. Keep your eyes open for that coming v- soon. Vertical viewing uh, hockey bags. You can send your thoughts and recommendations to our email address. It is verticalviewing at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our Twitter page at vertical viewing on Instagram. Vertical viewing. At vertical viewing. Uh, I mean, what's another hilarious old social media thing that would be funny to be on? Like, huh, right, get it? Mm, my mind is failing me right now. <sighs> yeah, there's what was not the a old lot instant messenger service? I mean, ICQ. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. ICQ. Mm-hmm. Find us on ICQ. Yeah, our Napster page is <clears throat> at Vertical Viewing. We just lost Metallica as a fan. Yeah, that's all right, though. Yeah, that's fair. Whatever. <laughs> Let's get into the show. Mike, thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Um, Always. Yeah, what have you been watching this week? What's new? Uh, I've hit up a few things. Most recently would be uh, I went to the VIP theater and oh, it watched. It doesn't matter what you saw now. <laughs> like it's, that's good enough, right? Yeah, I had a few drinks. Uh, they're not bad. They're not bad. Um, keeping up with the Joneses. With Zach Galifianakis, Isla Fisher, John Hamm, and Gal Gadot. Fancy, fancy Wonder Woman. This movie, in case you don't know what it's about, is Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher play a couple. They have a couple of young kids that have gone off to summer camp, so they're alone for the first time in, like, forever since they've been married and had kids. So it's time to knock boots. Yeah, but they're, they kind of have... They walk in and there's this scene playing of all of this crazy shit that they en- end up going and doing and they accidentally light their house on fire, but it turns out that that was just all in their minds and it cuts back to when they cross the threshold. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to go watch TV. So the flame is sort of fizzled out a little in their relationship. They're so used to the kids being around. And then across the street, this sexy couple moves in, Gal Gadot and John Hamm, and they turn their lives upside down. So th- 10 years ago, this would have been Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, right? Like, is this Mr. and Mrs. Smith 2? No, because Mr. and Mrs. Smith 2 was really... Fu- or 2. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Wait, there was a Mr. What? I don't remember this. Maybe that's... Uh, is that what this is? It's a home movie that Brad and Angelina made. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was actually, I thought, was pretty entertaining. This movie is only entertaining for about 25 minutes. It was Doug Lyman. The last 25 minutes. So the first... Two thirds of this film are a, a chore to sit through. So keeping up with the Joneses, not not so good. Or uh, I don't like the the last third of the film doesn't quite make up for it. There, there's some really funny moments in that last section because it's a, a good fish out of water tale. Like the Joneses turn out to be spies, uh, and they end up helping like helping them later. So it's Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher. This suburban couple getting in over their head trying to help out these super spies uh and then funny things happen uh and they find out 
more about themselves than they knew and what they were capable of and all that stuff. And that's great. There's some good comedy going on there. There's some great action, actually. Uh, but up until that point, Zach Galifianakis's character is an HR guy at a tech company. And he has all these... I, I, I can't help but think that this movie would have been better served if it wasn't Zach Galifianakis. So he's, he's playing it pretty straight here. He, it's really straight. Like, a lot of the lines fall very flat. And in fact... I was thinking about this. A lot of the characters, their delivery is pretty flat. And I wonder if that's the direction here because the actors are all pretty good in other films I've seen them in. And the lines, I was thinking about them, delivered in a better way could have actually been pretty funny. But it just wasn't there. It was it was very... Everyone phoned it in for the first two-thirds of this film. They're just like, why are we here? What's going on? So... Greg Matola, the director of Superbad. Yeah. So I guess in short, if you if you like these actors and you don't mind like if you got other shit to do, like some laundry or some dishes, <laughs> um or if you go to the VIP and you want to just eat your meal and not really watch what's going on on the screen for the first 45 minutes. Is Patton Oswald any good? Uh he's all right cuz he only shows up in the last little bit of the movie huh. and his character's pretty good. Um, but yeah, so this one's like a five and a half for me. Uh, it, because the first part of it is just so bad. I, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really surprised that this guy went from super bad to this. Cause to this, well, and you know what? Gal Gadot, I'm I'm not sold on her acting ability because she's just eye candy. I would imagine in this movie, right? Does she just stand around in skimpy spy? Well, outfits? I, if you've seen the trailer, she there's like a, an entire scene where she's in lingerie, just talking with Isla Fisher for any um, reason, or not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I guess it was shoehorned in, really, just to get Gal Gadot on screen in lingerie. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She's not bad at acting, but she's not great either. So, yeah, there you have it. John Hamm was pretty good, though. He had some great moments. There was a, a fantastic scene in the middle of the film where he's trying to get information from Zach Galifianakis, but he wants to be his friend. Um, or he's, you know, he's a spy, so he's trying to be all buddy-buddy. He doesn't really like the violent aspect of what he does. They go to a Chinese restaurant, and in the back is the real Chinese restaurant where you have to know the owners to get in, and they, it's a snake bar. So they serve snake wine. So like cobras are in the bottle with the wine. And so the okay, wa- that's so like the, the, D- DiCaprio in the beach. Yeah. So the wine neutralizes most of the poison, but it's still got that kick. And then they you eat a snake. So the guy comes up with a live poisonous snake and like chops it up and prepares it for you. And immediately John Hamm's character is like, just be careful with the head because it could still bite you because it's just like a reflex. And so... We see them get drunk and have a good time and talk, but the snakehead's in the middle of the table, and Zach Galifianakis just kind of reaches down for some more noodles, comes back up, and there's a snakehead on there. (laughs) (laughs) And so everyone in the restaurant just freaks out because it's never happened before. They grab the the anti-venom needle. It's this big deal. And then afterwards, they go indoor skydiving. Like, it was a really good buddy bonding moment. And... Most of the film is just lacking what, that. What, what song is playing over top of that moment? Do you remember? Or? Oh shit! Because that, that'll break it. Like if you, even if you tell me that, I'll probably laugh if it's the right tune. 
And I can picture him getting the snake on him, freaking out. I think it was just instrumental, honestly. Mm. I don't, uh, but the indoor skydiving had a very specific song that worked really well because it was after this life and death situation. Uh, and he, the, like Tom, uh, John Hamm is no longer trying to spy at this point. He's got all the information he's, he needs. He's almost killed this dude. He's like, okay, fine. Let's, let's go indoor skydiving together. Because, okay. And then they're, they're just together. There's a stupid grin on John Hamm's face as they're like grabbing hands and spinning around. And then all of the, empo- Doing the wind tunnel. And then, sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Okay. And then six employees come in and like do a circle around them. And it's just this hilarious moment. All right, all right. Um, I, I mean, I can, I, I think John Hamm is actually pretty well suited to comedy. He's an amazing comedic actor. Yeah, uh, I, I wish he did more. Yeah, like I, he, I, was, I, he was so good in everything I've seen comedy-wise. Like uh, I, Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp. He was really good in that. He needs the right agent, though. He needs someone to pick the right roles. Like, I don't want his goofy side to... Like, I want his sort of more... Like, I don't want it to be sort of like a goofball. See, he was one of the better parts of this film because uh, he played it fairly straight, but his character was struggling with, do I want to still do this? And because Zach Galifianakis, his character is an HR guy, he's really good at just getting people to open up. So yeah. he just starts saying, oh, man, I hate this job. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So there's this real connection between the two of them. And honestly, that's the strongest part of the film. Okay, uh, I don't... I don't really believe the relationship between Isla Fisher and Zach Galifianakis. You're making this, like, this sounds like a strong 5 out of 10. <laughs> well, 5.5, man. Okay, okay. Um, Get it real, Scott. So, well, yeah, Get it right. I, 30 minutes of this film are good. Okay. <laughs> but, but the um, rest of it is, is not that great. <laughs> so I watched a movie called My Scientology Movie. Oh. Have you heard of My Scientology no. Movie? No, I have not. Okay, so this movie's presented by... Which is very British. You know, they don't mm-hmm. say like hosted by the presenter, presented by Louis Thoreau, who's a British journalist. Uh, basically, so right when you hear there's a Scientology movie coming out, a Scientology documentary, you go, okay, well, how is this any, like, is this any good? Is this anywhere as close to as good as going clear? Alex Gibney's a badass. He fucking blew this thing wide open. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? My Scientology movie. So did you see The Act of Killing? This was from two years ago, the documentary about uh, the g- genocide in Indonesia. And no. then the, the sort of the documentary crew goes back and has everyone reenact the genocide. So the people who committed it and got got off with it. reenacting it? Or reenacting it because they were in the military and stuff. I think you've stuff. talked about this before, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the film either, which oh, is a okay. shame. But it's the act of killing. It, 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 this My Scientology movie has similar aspects of that. So what, what Louis Thoreau does in this movie is he sets out to cast actors to play uh, so he can sort of get a better understanding of what, you know, in the headspace of these people. So he, he casts an actor as Tom Cruise and David Miscavige, the insane leader of the Church Sci- of Scientology. Scientology yeah. yeah. So he gets these actors and all these auditions, and uh, they're all, you know, recreating interviews in the very limited one, you know, ones that are out there of David Miscavige, I think, on NBC with Ted Koppel in the early 90s. The you might have seen this. There's an interview with Tom Cruise, and it's 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 a Church of Scientology interview where he's 
talking about like, man, have you ever met an SP? And he's going, <laughs> doing his Tom Cruise ridiculous the, the craziness. And he's, it's, it's made by the Church of Scientology. And it sounds like somebody who's completely out of their mind because he's, they're talking about using all these acronyms and KSW keep Scientology working. Uh, like all these crazy things. And th these actors that Louis Thoreau is hiring here are reenacting these strange pieces of video uh, of these notable interesting figures in Scientology. Do they do a good job of the recreations? Well, yeah, and, and but it becomes a lot more meta than that because, like, um, you, you at some points you realize that some of the actors may be Scientologists because oh they're in well interesting they're, they're in Hollywood yeah okay and they're hiring actors so it starts to get a bit Charlie Kaufman esque here um, huh. and the 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 story of them making this documentary is is, is leaking out uh, and so and, they're being infiltrated by Scientologists uh, that's the idea that's sort of the theory that Louis Thoreau has and so Marty Rathbun which is the the whistleblower who was featured in the Going Clear documentary, you might remember right, he was yeah. a big, stocky guy, bald. Uh, he was sort of the, um, like an enforcer, David Miscavige's enforcer for 20 years, who left the church and sort of was Alex Gibney's main guy, main source of info when doing the, uh, the Going Clear doc. Uh, he's involved in this and he's helping cast all these actors. And because he knows what David Miscavige was like. So he knows what to look for when he's trying to cast these people mm. in these roles. Um, and it starts to become a little bit ridiculous when you have like, so the Church of Scientology starts doing a documentary of their own on Louis Thoreau. So I think he's doing a documentary on them. So I, I think that's the idea now. So I, I'm pretty sure this is me speculating is, is I, I think if you want to make a documentary about the Church of Scientology now, They'll just make a documentary about you, just in case, and they'll just they'll they'll just send camera crews out to film everything you're doing, sort of just to mirror you because that like if you remember in Going Clear that's like Scientology's mo yeah. is if you criticize them they come back at you like ten well yeah tenfold right so like easily intimidation techniques squirreling techniques there's scenes in my Scientology movie where you have the 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 documentary crew of the movie you're watching, just holding their cameras up, and then these bizarre, weird people who just walk up the street with a camera and start filming them, who are clearly paid by, you know, part of the Church of Scientology. They're just standing there filming, not saying anything. It's like this mirror, like two mirrors of bullshit getting, like, held close together, and there's just this bounce back and forth of, complete nonsense like there's there's it's like a standoff like like these people walking closer and closer together instead of holding guns they're just holding cameras out into into each other's faces eventually it's just going to be camera lens and camera lens just a whole documentary of looking at another camera lens i mean it, it ends up being a little bit frustrating you know i mean there's nothing there's nothing there like the church of scientology is insane and this just reinforces that um but how does it do compared to going clear? Like, it's is no, it still it's nowhere near as like informative and and like detailed and sort of comprehensive and definitive. Um, 
but my Scientology movie is much like it's a lot more fun to watch, and it, it's really entertaining to watch. It's comedic, and watching these actors sort of reenact these sequences with David Miscavige stuff is really interesting. Um, and it does get a little bit serious towards the end with Marty Rathbun, the sort of main whistleblower guy uh, from Going Clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Louis Thoreau is he's grilling him a little bit throughout the movie and things do get a little bit heated between the two. And at the very end of the film, there's sort of a like shit kind of hits the fan and there's like a, a very heated exchange between both of them. He was like, fuck you, Louis. You know, I'm really offended right now. Um, because they're getting, they're getting targeted. Um, some Scientologist, cause Louis is a whistleblower, right? Mm-hmm. Some Scientologists are coming up to him and saying, they're mentioning his son, this his adopted son, you know, like very veiled, thinly veiled threats on his family's life and stuff. I don't know. Oh my God. So he, like he's getting really emotional, right? Marty is getting really, you know, emotionally caught up in you know, the, the ramifications of him blowing the whistle against the church. And then Louis kind of says to him, he's like, you, you were on the other side. You did this to people though. Like you did this. Like I, I, this is what you did as well. And then the guy freaks out and doesn't want to confront that reality. So there's a bit of interesting stuff there. The movie kind of ends on that note, which is, uh, it, it's it's I liked it, man. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't see a lot of positive reviews for it, but in my opinion, like science, like documentaries are hard to judge. Like you can tell when you watch a really shitty one, but um, or a really biased one. But if, if it's about a topic you're interested in, then it's hard to go wrong. I think with documentaries, right? Like, yeah, I think I'm there with you because you're right. If it's terrible, you're just gonna turn it off because it'll be an unwatchable pile of garbage. But as long as it's okay... And it's something that already has your interest. Yeah. It's a topic that you're, you... You're just going to eat it up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, all right. I, I want to know more about You might this. watch a shitty documentary on a topic you still like. So, yeah, this thing got not great reviews, which was a little surprising. But I, I highly recommend my Scientology movie because I know a lot of people out there really love going clear. Is it on Netflix? Uh, no. No, I think it's pretty new. Okay. Um, but it's, yeah, super fun I think a lot of people are not as hungry as they are for murder mystery shit, but I think there is conspiracy stuff. Like Scientology is right. No, for that. I think there's a growing market just for like Scientology related, like documentary takedown stuff. Like I think I could see that. I mean, stay tuned for our upcoming podcast, de- deconstructing Scientology, <laughs> and then we'll have people outside our. Well, maybe apartment yeah. building every day filming us. Hmm. Free press. <laughs> it could be. All right. It would well, be kind of neat, man. Let's check it out. We'll see what we can do. Uh, yeah. What else you got? Uh, I watched Lost Soul, the documentary about the hell that it was getting the island of Doctor Moreau made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, Tim, Tim watched this. I think he mentioned it yeah. on that episode a while ago. Uh, holy shit, man! I feel so bad for the original director. What was his name? Richard something. Hold on. I'll grab it here. So it. so this is called Lost Souls, the doomed Richard Stanley, I believe, right? The doomed yes. journey of Richard Stanley. So it's the original director of The Island of Dr. Moreau from 1996. 
One of the most bizarre films ever made. It's so strange. One that I, I can't even make it through it, to be honest with you. Like, no, it's, I've it's not, started this so many times. It's not even bad enough to be entertaining. Like, it's just, I, I just feel really strange and put off, and I'm, I want to go do something else immediately. I, like, uh, the director, Richard, like, he's totally a, a self-professed believer in curses and things like that, right? <laughs> so... It's not hard to see why, <laughs> because there have been like his. I think his mother's house was hit by lightning uh, during the production, and they needed help there. Hurricane hit and washed the set away. Uh, so many like they had stars drop out. Um, Martin, no, uh, who's the Godfather? Why am I? I'm Marlon blanking. Brando. Marlon Brando. Man, I need something in my system to think properly. He hasn't made a movie in a while. But oh, um, like his his daughter committed suicide right before he was supposed to film, so he was in the middle of wrapping up another film, and that pushed the production out. So he was then going to be late. So they were super behind schedule, and the cast and crew were just being paid to sit around, drink, do drugs, and have sex with each other. And and then Marlon Brando shows up in like powdered geisha makeup oh fuck like uh and so val kilmer he's he renegotiated his contract said he would walk unless they reduced his filming days by 40 percent he should have walked he should have walked completely and he like so why didn't he walk oh my god he's one of the reasons the film was so bad i would love to have seen because he just was fucking with everybody he refused to do anything he w- he would not get along with the other actors at all, and so uh, one of the guys, German actor, uh, who played like one of the sidekicks of Doctor Moreau, was supposed to have a larger part. But then Marlon Brando showed up, and the little dude, uh, the, that tiny little guy, Mini Me, yeah, like literally the inspiration, the, the inspiration for Mini Me. He's like, I like you. You're now gonna have his part, and they couldn't argue with Marlon Brando, so they basically made him the other the sidekick. <sighs> And so all of these crazy scenes, like Marlon Brando driving up um, in the white makeup, in the white robes, no one had planned that. Yeah, it's he pretty just nuts. did it. And so they're like, shit, we just need to finish a film. The studio's like, we just need something. Because they, they ended up losing money on it, but they lost less by releasing this pile of shit than they did if they had just, than they would have if they had just scrapped it. And so the director. Uh, was fired. Richard was fired, and he just took off. And he was supposed to leave the country, but he never did. No and, one knows. And like, he remained on set playing these. Well, not right away. Like he <laughs> it's just so nuts. Isn't he just it? disappeared. Uh, and it was like, well, we don't know where the hell he went. Like he, we drove him to the airport, but he didn't get on the plane. So what the hell? And then so they brought in another director who was like the fixer guy. Mm-hmm. He's fixed a bunch of films, and even he was like, I have no idea. He's an older fix this. He 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 fixed Ronan as well, I believe. Yeah, uh what's his name here? Frank David Gregor. No, that's the No, Frank. What am I looking at? He's got a long That's, that's for the uh a long name. <laughs> that's for the I'm looking at the IMDb page for the documentary. <laughs> uh oh, I remember. He's he, a German guy. Uh Is it Frank something? I know. He did Reindeer Games. I I mean, he does he had a decent resume, especially uh like way back in the day. Where are we? Uh, John Frankenheimer. Frankenheimer. Yeah. 
And because uh, Richard Stanley is credited on here for some reason, so poor John Frankenheimer inherits this piece of bullshit. And like, what am I doing? Yeah, look at Marlon Brando in this weird little tiny. Uh, what's the, uh, the mini me guy? Mi- I mean, yeah, it's crazy. He's got like I think he had primordial dwarfism. Yeah, um, which is different than regular dwarfism it's, because they're super tiny. They're so tiny, like they're like little dolls, really. So the. Uh, the sad part, to go back to what I was saying earlier, the, the this movie isn't even entertaining in a bad way, right? No, it's and, just bad. And it's so, so bizarre. How ironic and funny is it that this documentary is much, much more entertaining than the actual film? It's so much more entertaining. Uh, the producers, like, it's got all this crazy stuff because uh, as Richard Stanley was leaving, he was just muttering under his breath that he should just, you know, destroy the production or whatever. And so they took people were worried about threats of him coming back because he didn't leave the country. And so like the next day there was a bunch of circles, like stones in circles near the set and people were like, Oh shit, he's trying to curse it. And, and, and then, so a couple of extras who were just killing time drove off into the wilderness to camp and they saw this guy taking a bath in an outdoor bathtub across the river. It was Richard Stanley. <laughs> Because he had just been living, helping a guy on a farm, and they snuck him back. They said that it was no problem to sneak him back onto set because the security no knew. No knew. Yeah. The security didn't care. So he just dressed up and was an extra for the film. <laughs> See, that's actually a really awesome arc that would be like in a comedy drama film. Like, you know what I mean? Like a guy, you know, he's down, like at the end of the second act, that would be when he's out taking the bath in the, you know, yeah. in the, <laughs> just, and then his redemption is him coming back, sneaking back into his own production, you know. Um, but yeah, someone watching this documentary, which is a really great documentary. It's good. They would see this and go, oh my God, I got to watch the Island of Dr. Moreau. This thing seems nuts. Uh, and And then they're in for a giant disappointment because the movie is just... It's so bad. It's so boring, but so weird and, like, bizarre. And I don't know how it's PG-13, because it's... I mean, there's, there's all sorts of violence and blood. And there's, there's scenes where they're dissecting some of these creatures and stuff that are really horrific, right? Is, is it Jim Henson did this, or is it... Uh, I don't actually I mean, it was in the, in the heyday of, like, super detailed, you know, prosthetics and stuff. Yeah, but check it out. Lost Soul, the, the Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau is just fascinating. It's an, um, a great look at how films can go very wrong. I'm not sure there are many films in the history of the world that have gone <laughs> this wrong um, and still been released. I eat these these movies up. I mean, Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah. Uh, the Death of Superman Lives is, is a fun one, too. Um, I'm into any of these doomed film documentaries it's just unbelievable i've only listed a few of the nuts things that happened uh when i mentioned the the curse thing in the first 20 minutes of this they just pile on all of these events that were completely out of (laughs) anyone's control that were just converging to destroy this production um check it out (laughs) so where do i go from here i got a couple more things um I have quickly. I, I got Battlefield One. Oh, today. Yeah. How's that? Oh, you played it all? Uh, yeah, I've been playing the online. I've been doing okay, actually. I've been since I've been playing Battlefield for many, many years now. I'm similar mechanics, just different weapons. Yeah, and I'm quite good at knowing how to. Like a lot of people who pick this game up, just think, "Oh, it's all about my KD ratio," and I just got to shoot guys in the head. And, yeah, Battlefield's not like that. 
you get rewarded much more for doing other things. In this case, you get suppression, like you get points just for firing in the direction of guys now. Nice. Um, if you get a guy to about 95 or above and he dies within, you know, five or 10, that counts as a kill. So you don't have any more of those frustrating situations mm -hmm. where you get somebody to almost like 98 and then they die. It didn't. Yeah. So they actually count as a kill. Now there's cool stuff there. Um, the graphics on PS4, I'm just such a fucking PS, like PlayStation, like it's such a peasantry console. I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> snob for the PC now, man. I can't even handle it. Um, but then I have to learn mouse and keyboard. So I, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what to do, kids. I really don't. Um, well, I if, honestly, if, if it boils down to the fact that you're a huge graphics whore, PC is probably the way to go. It, it it looks so bad on the PlayStation. I'll be honest. Does it? It looks so bad. Like mm. it 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 loses resolution randomly. Like it will just it'll bump down to below 720. It looks like like extremely Weird. pixelated, super framey. I just I envy. Like I look at my PC with a 980 Ti in it, and it's just off. Maybe it's time to switch to just PC and uh, deal with something that maybe we'll bring up in news. <clears throat> well, so I basically can't handle mouse and keyboard is my issue. You, I can, you can play with controllers on PC, though. Then I get my ass kicked, and it's not fun. See, that's, that's the conundrum that's we're in fair, here. That's fair. So I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, kids. You might just have to learn mouse and keyboard, man. Or I continue, like, I just get really good at keyboard, like fighting against the keyboard and mouse people with a gamepad and then if i can if i can beat them i can beat anyone right i, I want yeah, well you're not doing this competitively so but i want to i want to maybe bust the myth that mouse and keyboard is better than controller even though it's i don't know if you can probably. damn it I, uh, well, it depends on this. Anyway, we're getting a little off track, but if you adjust the settings on the controller, it might be close enough that if you, you can get, I turn within reasonable parameters. I got that sensitivity turned up, boys. Okay. Uh, but I do want to transition from, like, Battlefield's fun. It, it's really great. But World War One is amazing to go to. And I think we're going to loop back around to, war games again how interesting is it that we spent in two console generations without any world war ii games basically like when the 360 ps3 came out we were kind of getting tired of world war ii shooters and then we went to modern combat modern warfare one i guess came out at the beginning of the last right at generation the beginning, yeah. and then we kind of been riding this wave of like futuristic combat running along walls laser targeting like Night vision. All of it is just <laughs> fucking tired and boring. Everyone's done with it. So I don't it, know. Titanfall two looks pretty good. I hope people buy it. I really do. Um, but it feels like people are kind of hungry for like if something feels fresh now when it actually is set in the past and now there's more of a historical well, World War angle One to it. World War One is one of those wars that is so neglected really yeah like in high school history you learn just a little bit about it yeah it's really interesting it's, yeah so there's a lot of opportunities to explore interesting uh stuff that people don't know anything about uh and it does speculative stuff where like if you lose a battle it says what would have happened if you know mm, interesting yeah it's really cool battlefield one is dope but i want to bring up something 
weird. I just bought on eBay. It's really weird. I don't know why I did this. Probably because it was only $15. But I bought a copy of Destiny. What? Why did I do that? Can you answer this? No, I'm not really sure why you did that. I bought a copy of Vanilla Destiny for 15 bucks on eBay. Like, is it, can I do anything with this game? Is it broken at this point? Like, no, you'll still be able to play up to level 30. So, you'll still be able to play the original game. Okay, and, and, and then what do you recommend I do from there? Like, what is the best and cheapest way to get the most out of this game as quickly as possible? Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of conditions. Uh, to to uh, fuck. put me on spot here, because I want to say you could sell it for twenty dollars and get the most out of it, or um, tell me that no, no, it's it's fine to play. <laughs> um, I don't know, man, because without the expansions, there's a lot of top end stuff that you won't be able to do. Um, you'll still be able to partake in PvP, but not the new modes. So it's I don't know. If I don't you, think I'll play any online. Like, it would mostly be just, like, the sort of... Just the player versus environment stuff, the yeah. single-player missions. Yeah. Well, that's fine. I wouldn't do, like, multiplayer combat, you know? Okay. Well, then, like, the, the original game came with a decent amount of missions and stuff. So just try it out and see if you like it, and then... You could always make the jump to the current expansion. Start adding shit on. All right. Yeah. There's, like, two expansions, and then... There's, like, four, four expansions. Oh there, well, there's two DLCs and two expansions. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the expansions are more expensive than the DLCs. Yeah, that's weird. All right, I, I mean, I'll figure this out when I get it, but I mean... But they're the same size. Yeah, I'll be playing Battlefield before that anyway. I don't know why I bought it, to be honest with you. Well, you know, <laughs> it's an it's a very interesting game. I think ha- be, being able to play it and at least have understand what people are talking about. I played the betas and alphas and stuff. Yeah, okay. But, um, and the last thing I watched was Hollow Man from Paul... Hollow Man? Yeah, so Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I watched Hollow Man, okay? It's ridiculous, man. Hollow Man is bullshit. It's ridiculous. I remember watching this movie a couple times around when it came out and thinking, what the fuck? It's a fucked up movie. Thank you, Paul Verhoeven. You are a sick... Like, you are a sick bastard. Paul Verhoeven... I hope the police are monitoring his computer because there's probably some fucked up shit on in his pornography folders. He he just loves weird, sick shit. And Hollow Man is like the ultimate example of like. So you remember Hollow Man is a is a weird dark take on the Invisible Man for those who haven't seen it. And uh, Kevin Bacon does some very strange and disturbing shit. He basically use, loses his humanity while going invisible. Yeah, sort of the idea, but that is but... sort of what, I guess, Invisible meant. But in this case, he starts, like, there's a scene where he grabs a woman's, like, titty right out of her bra, like, in the, like, he un- undoes her yeah, buttons. Yeah, he just does, like, like some it's, terrible things. And you, and it, it's almost like an... It, like a, a demo of some visual effects. It's like, look at what we can do with these effects. So you, it's obviously all invisible, but this girl, it's a close-up of her blouse and these buttons getting, you know, undone, you know, one by one by some ghostly hand that you can't see. And then you get to, like, watch her boob get massaged by an unseen force. And there's a scene where he actually attempts to rape a, a lady in her 
bedroom the, yeah. later on. Like, there's some very bizarre shit. The movie goes really dark for, like, this thing that's supposed to be some popcorn thing. Um, like, I don't know. I found some of it kind of weird and offensive. There's a, there's a ton of bacon dick in it. <laughs> like, you see his junk flopping around a whole bunch of times. A lot of CGI dick. Uh it's a yeah, it's not a good movie. It's there's some crazy visual effects in it though, I will say. Um Hollow Man is fucked up. Like still or at the yeah. time they were good. Yeah, like some of the invisibility stuff where the the serum is going through their veins and you know what I mean and they're slowly reappearing or disappearing depending on what they're injecting and mm. they sort of go invisible from the inside out and stuff or the outside it's it's kind of crazy this movie is from 2000 it's really old man elizabeth shoe is in this movie and josh brolin they're they're hooking right up wow kevin bacon's jealous of their their new hookup but yeah hollow man is a piece of shit it's ridiculous i don't recommend it (laughs) let's get into news let's do it like you the feeling disappear she needs our help you are someone to come along someone has come along i am still right here and you could have it all anyway yeah let's get into news a ton of shit happened this week dude so it's, much stuff. it's crazy not all of it film related so Let's begin with item number one, which is the reveal of the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for this, honestly. Are you surprisingly stoked? Because I'm, I'm surprisingly stoked. I'm surprised how interested I am. And then at one point, at the at the end of the commercial, which we'll detail in a sec here. Which is all filmed in Vancouver. Was it really? Yeah. Get out of town. No, the whole thing was filmed in Vancouver. So people had that shit somewhere in town? They yeah. were playing fucking... Yeah, if you watch it again, switches? you'll actually recognize a lot of the locations. So there's a switch in town? Somewhere. Oh, man. Okay. So <laughs> um, this... I don't know where to begin on this thing. 
So I, I'm just curious. Like you're surprisingly excited for this, well, even though even though you're a self-proclaimed like graphics junkie. See, that's the thing. That's why I'm surprised how excited I am for it. And at, by the end of this commercial, I said to myself, "That's really cool. I'm kind of interested in it." And then I got really excited because I I said, "Well, I'm gonna buy one of these because I haven't bought a Nintendo console since." Mm, Super Nintendo. Wow. It was GameCube for me. I actually skipped all of the Wii's and So it's been a long time, right? Like yeah. I didn't I, and when I said to myself, I'm going to buy a Nintendo system, it felt it felt really good to say that again. It did. And like just how they show all of the in the announcement it showed all of the third-party support as well. That was the big thing with Nintendo. They didn't have a lot of third-party support. Bethesda has not confirmed that Skyrim is coming out. No, but on the they Switch. are working with Nintendo, so it could be another game. <clears throat> Tell me, what is the Nintendo Switch? What the hell is it? It's kind of like a gaming tablet, really. It's uh, so Nintendo's two sides are the console, uh, like the Wii and the Wii U that they have had recently, and then their handheld device the Game Boys or the DSs and all of that stuff. And the DS is a fantastic handheld system, but they've been splitting their resources, so they're like, hey, you know what? Let's just combine this together so everything can be pushed into this one system. So you can be sitting at home playing because it's docked and hooked up to your TV, walk up, take the little tablet out of this, the console, and now you're playing the game on the go. It's immediate. It, it, the The screen shifts almost instantaneously is that going to be exactly how this works i hope so otherwise i'm going to be pissed because it looks augmented for the commercial does, does it look it does look a little augmented does but, that look like it's happening in real time but honestly it because because the tablet is doing the work is for, for what's going on on the tv as well it is it doing all the work I, no, I don't think so. Cause so there's some processing going on in the in the base unit on in, in the base unit. I think on your TV because with consoles and cartridges, because these games are cartridges, they're all hardware themselves, so you can boost the performance of stuff through that. So I think on larger screens, that little dock is going to boost the performance, uh, and when you take it out, it it will be a little less. So there's going to be a processor on board that on that, the little tablet on that oh, the on dock? the tablet and the dock. I'm I'm thinking it's going to be there to boost the power a little bit. But are, it, are, are these are these games going to run at native 1080p on the tablet? Because they, they will. Okay, because then you, it's going to have to run at that resolution in order to look somewhat nice on a TV screen, right? Like if yeah. you if this is truly going to replace a console, then people have a lot of expectations as to how games are going to look on that, right? They're going to have to look as good as PlayStation 4 and Xbox One games. Right, yeah. so you can't have. It could it could get really brutal. Like, imagine how shitty it would look if you plug a 3ds into your TV, and the resolution of that, like 640 by 480, or I don't even. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is. Blown but. up on your t 1080 television. Um, yeah, that wouldn't look so good. But no, no, this 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 is intriguing to me because I like the DS. I like Nintendo. I like their first party games. I like the idea of being able to play on my TV with decent looking games because I don't think they're not going to be able to compete visually with say the what's it what's the next Xbox called Xbox 
the scorpion scorpio is the, the scorpio yeah it's it's a boost it's a beefed up or version or of the even, xbox one probably not even the playstation pro which i'm not even sure what that thing is it's like a playstation 4.5 with hdr or something yeah um but it'll be close and the games will be great and i just want to be able to play say you know what i'm not quite ready for bed but i want to be in bed just take the thing in the bed with me yeah, like I'm. I am stoked for that. I, I I'm really, really amped for this idea. It, it do, you, do you agree with me when I say that it seems like this is more of a tech demo? It says at the end of this commercial, March 2017. So it's th- soon. That is really, really soon. That means that these are already been these. This has already been in the hands of developers for a year, at least probably. So. It's amazing that no actual leaks. There were those weird footballs, you know, thing. Remember a few years yeah. ago, it was like a football-shaped controller thing with these weird... You know, there's been a lot of fake things online claiming to be the Nintendo NX, which is now officially... Rev- it still feels fake to me. And this, those side controllers look like bullshit. When are people going <laughs> to... Let's play basketball. All right, sweet. I'm done with that game. All right, set up your old... Set up the Switch, and let's play NBA 2K17 because we're tired of playing real basketball. (laughs) Yeah. And they're on these controllers that look like they came out of a gumball machine. They're tiny little, like... It's like a credit card ripped in half. And and there's a joystick and a full... See, but I think... X-A-B-Y. I don't think that's a huge deal, A, because there's also the, the... Pro pad. So if you're really into playing the games, I'm really into playing. You can have that with you. Um, But B, people are so used to controls on their phones these days. Like honestly, it's not a it's not much different using the physical tiny little controller compared to doing stuff on your phone. So I think it'll be fine. But when they split it and have like two player, that there's a little kickstand on it, and you can. Well, and the local networking play. So. People that have this can just be, you. Oh shit! You got a switch. Let, I got a switch. Let's play these games together. Sweet. I, I mean, I mean that already exists for like the handhelds now, but this is just a bigger step up. So we're I, gonna get a Pokemon game that is on console. Like I am really excited to sit on my couch and play Pokemon. Oh, in- Pokemon Go is done because this, <laughs> the Pokemon games on the Switch are gonna take over. It's gonna be insane. Like if it if it looks like Zelda, but it's Pokemon. I'm into that. Can't believe I'm saying it. Uh, I mean, this thing is huge. This is a massive, massive deal in like gaming history if this thing works. And I'm not even close to convinced that this thing is even real, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, the games look like they were running in like 24 frames per second. They looked chunky as hell on there. See, they looked fine on the TV, but then when it was transferred to the tablet, like I don't know if that why like is if, is that actually going to be reflective of how, how it plays? Is the question? Maybe it was actual like in camera. Maybe that is what it looks like, and it looks like shit. Like why would you? You know, I mean, if you were going to make those like a f- sort of fake screen with a, you would make it re- look really good. Uh, it it could be that the game's just not optimized yet because we're still a few months away. But I, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not going to buy it right away. <clears throat> There's a chance that the next Zelda game is better on the Wii U than it is on the Switch, and this whole thing's a disaster. I hope that's not true. I don't know. Like, this this, this could be... This is another huge gamble from Nintendo, I think. It's crazy, though. 
Yeah, it is, but it also it depends on the price point. I think yeah, Nintendo's it, always been crazy with peripherals. Is but, this thing like three hundred bucks? That's because that's insane. This thing should be. This looks like five or six hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's a risk only if it's too expensive and it would completely negate any of the handheld market that they have. No, their argument here, I'm, I'm putting this thing at like five, $500? I'm thinking or, four. I'm, I'm even thinking 599 because Nintendo's argument here is going to be, hey, you remember how you needed to buy a, a Nintendo DS and a, a Wii console? Now you don't need to. The, the, their idea now is since this is a merging of two devices in one they can maybe can like beef up the price because they are justifying you no longer buying two devices i suppose they could do that there are a lot of people saying that it's just a glorified gaming tablet as well but it, sure it is but it's it's just a game tablet like it's yeah. it's designed specifically for this there's like an, nothing else uh nvidia tegra chip in the Nintendo Switch, which so. apparently is some of those chips are already in the NVIDIA Shield, which I've never played around no, with. Neither have I. I mean, you're familiar with them. They're gaming yeah. tablets that connect into your computer sort of via your home network. I think that might be what you're going to get. Well, I'm excited. So let's come March. We'll see if I buy one. Uh, I'll probably wait until around April once, like, it's settled right? in and reviews have come we'll in. We'll see how this goes. It might be another situation where the Wii is too grand and you can't buy them anywhere in the world and inflated artificial scarcity. That's possible. Maybe I won't play this thing until 2018. Oh, shit. Really <laughs> love the logo, though. Yeah, like, it's pretty good. The little snap in things. I honestly <laughs> really love that uh, controller design on the other end because it does come off and then they're exactly the same layout for the two players except one is really close together and it, it looks janky as hell we'll see how it all goes i'm sure the reviews like if the battery life is two and a half hours you're fucked right like there's a that's, lot of that's ways the big thing <clears throat> it could go really wrong yeah. if they don't do this right um so let's get on to film news there's actual film news <laughs> And it uh, involves... Well, no, there's actually a, another trailer for video games. There's the Red Dead Redemption trailer. Oh, yeah. Which you don't care about, but... No, it's all right. We can talk about it. I mean, it was just a lot of landscape shots. and It looked pretty. It's dope. Plugged it looked in. very pretty. And it says it's going to come out. Red Dead Redemption 2 is scheduled for fall 2017. And I'm thinking here that they were aiming for a May 2017 release. But then they figured, like, nah, we'd end up delaying it from well, that. So let's just, like, let's just announce the game is going to be released on the day that we would delay it to anyway. Well, just to be safe. Fall releases are the the money makers for, for game releases because it's the right before leading up to the holiday season. But the first Red Dead came out in May of 2010. Yeah, they didn't know it would be a huge hit, I don't think. Because it wasn't GTA. They were taking a bit of a risk on it. Yeah. Like, releasing before or in the middle of summer is sort of like, ah, here you go. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So it's they, very different from film. And and it's different now. Like, they know how big of a phenomenon it is. Yeah. So, it looks great. It's just empty landscape shots. Like, I, I think we're kind of really far out on this. Like, it could be even... It, it was like a tech demo, too. It's like, hey, look how great our engine is. This looks good. We have nothing, though. Yeah, there's nothing in it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it looks like a lot of Revenant kind of stuff going on and like, I, hopefully I can just go canoeing and 
just literally chill out for hours on end. To me, there's... You know, you can just go canoeing <laughs> and chill out for hours on end. I know, end. I know. <laughs> it's more work. But I can't, you know, eat... It, that's true. Snickers bars. I guess I could eat, just chill out on the canoe. But the... the it's a lot harder to the, do that. <laughs> the first one... The, the first Red Dead was like one of the only games I can think of where it actually felt like I was in the wilderness. The Witcher 3 is another good one when you're standing in the forest yeah. and, and the trees are f like... The wind is the wind is so powerful in The Witcher 3. It's, like, it, it's, it's a bit there's ridiculous. So many trees that it's are... a bit silly. They're just... Yeah, but it really feels like you're a dense forest and um, Red Dead felt like I was in the wilderness the whole time because anytime you're even in a town... You still feel like you're in yeah. the middle of the wilderness. Um, so I'm hoping that we get that vibe again here. So we'll and I think we brought this up last week as well. This has to be timed with Westworld, right? Like, did, did they? Do you think because it's a a year away now? Do you think they had planned on having this so soon? Because you're right, there's not a lot in it. Or they're like, oh shit, Westworld's so popular. Let's strike while the iron's hot with this. Get people talking about it. I mean, I think they probably should have done something at E3 or at the PlayStation event, like in September when they announced. Yeah, this seems like a strange thing for them to do. Like, it's just a weird time. I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Westworld. It's got to be Westworld. Was it about to get leaked, maybe? Or <laughs> just employees <laughs> threatening to leak it? It's just like, <laughs> oh, no, it's already out. The email's gone. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. It's a long time coming, like a full year yeah. away from, you know, now, so... Film news, though. Actual film news. Donald Glover is the new Lando Calrissian. I can, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Okay. Because I like Donald Glover, but the last two things I've seen him in have been pretty lackluster. The Martian is ruined in some ways by his performance. Like, cut him out of the film. It's, his performance is almost offensive in that movie. <laughs> Like it's just no he's idea a, what's happening. He's a super nerd, but it's like a caricature of a nerd. Um, yeah, he wandered in from the set of Community or something. Yeah, uh, but you know what? I, I I could see him having the swagger. Him alongside Alden Ehrenreich, I think he has be. a similar sort of facial structure as sort of Lando. Cal you know, your your the image in your head of what Lando looks like. Yeah. Um, Put a mustache on him. You know, kind you know, of like... Maybe he won't have it because he's young, but... Yeah, he, he just has that sort of same same attitude, same look. Um, this this is in the Han Solo... F solo film, of course. The, the Solo Solo film. The Star Wars story anthology. I hate these Star Wars story things. But there's a Han Solo film origin story coming out. Apparently, we're going to find out exactly how the Millennium Falcon was wagered and won and how Lando ended up losing the ship to Han. And you know what? Do I, we care? No, I love Star Wars, but I was about to say, I honestly don't care about that. That's fine as a footnote. I mean, it's 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 just a cool thing to have in the, like, it tells us all we need to know about the relationship between these two guys. Is yep. they're... Oh, he's a swindler and a smuggler just like Han is. You know what I mean? It's almost like his foil. It's just another another yeah. sort of scoundrel just as, just as untrustworthy and but also just as maybe lovable as as Han is. Um with their own honor code. Yeah, exactly. So 
we 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 just we know everything we need to know just by saying like oh they they're hot headed and they made a some stupid bet and that, one of them lost an entire spaceship over it. That better not take up a lot of the film. I like, bet it, you it will. Like if that's just a, a five to ten minute thing, I will be happy. I remember in the uh, Star Wars extended universe, which no longer exists, uh, there's a series. Of th- the trilogy of Han Solo origin novels that are actually quite good, uh, and in that one it details the the entire game of Sabacc, which is their stand-in for poker. Mm. Um, and there's like an entire chapter about the entire game, and the like. It explains the rules of the game and how the cards values will change randomly. So it's sort of like poker, but imagine if with some more random elements, the cards in your hand. Um, would sort of change value. Like th- there'd be something that changes on the board, and the king of diamonds is now not worth anything or something. I don't know, but it hmm. details the whole game of poker and how they came to lose the ship and stuff. Um, Sounds like they're getting rid of a lot of the strategy with that game design. Oh I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's not going to be that because it's all been jettisoned, right? So yeah. we can they can start fresh. It's it's hopefully just a footnote, as you said. But as for Donald Glover, I, I, this thing could be... I think he'll be okay. Tim is mad. Well, uh, he says... He sent me some text messages regarding the situation here. He says, brutal. Donald Glover is Lando? We're done here. <laughs> he goes on to say that the new Star Wars flicks are designed by boardroom committees and written by focus groups of millennials. They're watered down and safe. I'm calling it. They'll just get worse as they go. Doesn't Tim, isn't that just what you say about everything, though? Yeah, he's a critical guy, man. You just want to be, when things go bad, you just want to say, I told you so. I think I think this has been he's, on the show before. I'm talking to him like he's listening. He's right there. Yeah. yeah. The Pokemon Go uh, yeah. hate on was, was hilarious. Um yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I'm cautiously, we'll see what happens. I'm cautiously optimistic. He um, just he hates how safe and populist, like all the you know, they're not taking any chances on any of the roles these days. I guess, but I think for good reason because Star Wars has been fucked into the ground so hard, and fans have been completely betrayed for like a decade. Yeah. So they kind of deserve some just some some regular. Cornflakes. Let's, let's reset the, the Star Wars cinematic universe. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. Uh, so there was a trailer on the internet this week that sort of got lost along along with the other trailers. Uh, so I don't know which one to go to here. The Logan trailer or the Guardians of the Galaxy teaser. Ooh, that is an interesting question. Let's start with Logan. Because that one just Johnny cashed its way into everyone's hearts, didn't it? Yeah, all of a sudden, a lot of people are excited <laughs> about this movie, whereas before, no one gave a shit about... You, you put Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt on top of anything, and it looks pretty good. People did a swap of, like, the Nintendo Switch commercial... With Hurt? With Hurt. <laughs> and then, put you know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of fun stuff. They the, Both the trailers came out within a few hours of each other, I think. And the Red Dead... Re- trailer yeah like all on thursday morning um so the logan this is old man logan we talked about it last week the trailer looks good but again it's 
because of Johnny Cash, I think. We don't... The song has a lot to do with it, but at the same time, it actually looks like they're giving Hugh Jackman something to work with in this film. It's clear that they've only shot maybe about two or three set pieces, right? We're not seeing a finished film, obviously. No. Like, there's... No. Uh, he's living in some busted up water tower and it dropped doing it, donuts in a pickup truck. It dropped truck. enough, such as the mutants are gone now. Like what? Like, X twenty three. Yeah, there is enough in that trailer. I don't care about seeing another one. They can just, that could just be the only media uh, thing that they release for this film, and I will go see it. Like right now, I am on board. The other two Wolverine movies sucked. And their trailers also not very good. This one, I'm. It looks like they've cut the cast pretty, like lean here. Yeah, it's it's funny that this is technically X Men Origins Wolverine Three Logan. <laughs> uh, I'm not a, like I've said before. I'm not a huge fan of Wolverine. Like he's an all right character. I just I I can't really get into him very well. So was it Mike Green last week said that Logan's power is not fading? I think he said this to me at work, perhaps. Uh, but it, it looks to me in the trailer that Logan is no longer as good. Like, he, his his ability to heal is nowhere near as strong. Yeah, well, and that happened in the old man Logan thing, too. Like, it just, his power started to break down a little. Yeah. He I'm, would still heal just very slowly compared to what it was before but way faster than any of us yes yeah yeah okay uh so seeing a a broken down wolverine in a world where there might not be mutants anymore because they've been hunted to extinction hiding out keeping professor x alive and all of a sudden this young girl who i guess i don't want to spoil it but is x20 it's been confirmed she's x23 some clone maybe yeah who's who's very similar to him and professor xavier even says in the trailer she is m- like more similar to you than you know, or something along those lines. I'm I'm very curious to see how this goes. But then we get a shot of like a generic bad guy with a cybernetic hand and like sunglasses and a bunch of dudes with guns. I'm like, okay, it's the, it's the same director as the 2013 Wolverine film, James Mangold. Uh, my excitement has dropped quite a bit actually. Now that you've just said that, he's done some good stuff, including. Walk the Line, starring Joaquin Phoenix. What the shit? Okay. Which explains... Back up again. Well, what went wrong with Wolverine? I don't know, but I mean, it, does that make it a little less egregious to put yes. the Johnny Cash? Yes, it does. It makes a little more sense. Yeah. He also did 310 to Yuma, which is a also film really good. I really Jesus. adore. Yeah, so he's a good director. James Mangold knows what he's doing, Um, but... The Wolverine sucked. I've never even made it to the end. I can't I, even finish it's that so movie. It's so bad. I'm actually I'm excited for this. I want to see Wolverine pass the torch. Mm-hmm. Not that it means anything because I don't think they'll carry on these films because all the other X Men movies are now were set in the '90s for the next whatever. Yeah, we need to like wipe everything out again. We need to reboot X Men again. Yeah, how do you screw that up? You have this promising like first. First class was pretty good. Well, because they've merged old casts with the new casts. Like, it's, it's just a, a complete oh, clusterfuck, man. Singer Snydered it. Um, Snyder Singered it? Yeah. I don't know. Item number four is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. The first teaser, which we don't get too much. It looks fun. I, I am, I'll be honest. Spacesuits. Did warm my heart a little bit to see all these these characters back. Use in case of emergency. 
I, I penciled like, in or for fun. <laughs> yeah, I like Drax. Yeah, that was this trailer was really good. Uh, I am I enjoyed the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this movie's going to be really strong, and it's going to play on a lot of people's expectations. I think people are going to go see this and realize that they they like these characters more than they realized they did. Like I think, you know, they they I think people really warmed up to the Guardians of the Galaxy characters really quickly and easily. And they were those lovable scamps. Yeah, it feels like a a, a movie that I think that people are going to like ease into really easily like really it's, smoothly and oh all these characters they already feel familiar i think i'm i know who star lord is i know people know what oh drax he doesn't have a sense of humor you know like we know who all these people are really you know really well there one thing i thought guardians of the galaxy did very well and it looks like two is going to maintain is all the characters seem more relatable than a lot of the other marvel superheroes yeah so you really like, yeah, these are my buddies. Like, I like to see where this is going. You care about these yeah, people. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. Um, and tiny little Groot, who from all accounts baby is Groot. a very different Groot than the like slow-moving, calm Groot from the oh, first one. I'm already, I already know. Like, this is going to be like Yoda fighting it's the Emperor. It's going to be a tiny shit storm. Like, it's, it's literally going to be like Yoda doing little cartwheels fighting the Emperor. I hope so. I hope I hope they make fun of that in the movie, actually. <laughs> Speaking of making fun of that in the movie, Tim Miller, the director, has dropped out of Deadpool 2. Yeah, I heard about this, and I'm not sure what to think. Cause so it's over creative differences. The, with Ryan Reynolds. The, yeah, with Ryan Reynolds, which is always... It's always creative differences. But they well, did say it was does that amicable. Just mean you're, you're, it did, yeah, it, it did say that. I don't... What does that mean? They want to go different directions with the film is what I, my take on that. And I don't know how to think because both of them were like very pivotal in delivering the first Deadpool experience. If I understand correctly from what I've been reading, Tim Miller was the one that leaked the footage, or at least he did it along with Ryan Reynolds. So, it sounds from what I've read that it was him. Like, so he is responsible for that film being made because that it, the fan response got it greenlit. Then we got this masterpiece of a of a movie. From One of, of the best films of the year, yes, hands down. It's so good. Um, I think Ryan Reynolds will will still bring it. I'm just worried that without Tim Miller there, the focus might not be as tight. But depending on who comes on board, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it could so, be fine. So I. I guess I have to ask you this. Who do you want to come on board for this? Because there's a chance that we could actually make an upgrade here. If if the next director to come in is is really, really strong, then this could be incredible. Edgar Wright? Thank you. Because that's where I was going. Yeah, because that would be pretty great. His style um, is perfectly suited for like self-aware comic book yeah, for sure. Um, sort of aesthetic, like breaking the fourth wall and having characters, you know, come through the comics, talking to the audience and whatnot. Uh, I mean, it's it's a match made in heaven, I think. Uh, Matthew Vaughn, I think, would Ooh, be a decent pretty good too. guy who does Kingsman. It might not be... Like, Edgar Wright is, in my mind, the best choice. Mm -hmm. Matthew Vaughn's a pretty good runner-up for that because I don't think his films are quite as, quite as good, but they're yeah. still amazing. I mean, I, th like, I think that Edgar Wright is... A, Edgar Wright making Deadpool 2 is a better 
match than it would have been him making Ant-Man. Yes, for sure. Because everyone wanted to see Ant-Man, Edgar Wright's Ant-Man, because it would it, Oh, that's a strange you know pairing oh interesting edgar wright making ant-man that's i'd like to see that that sounds weird but deadpool and him that that just Makes sounds total sense it, that people wouldn't think that that's weird they would just say get me in line i, I don't think it would ever happen but um didn't, that's, he, didn't he villain if <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge vacancy that i'm thinking is probably going to get filled by somebody kind of with a shitty resume like um Olivier Olivier Megaton, the guy who made the What? The Trans Transporter three. Uh and I think he did Do you say Megaton? Yeah, his name's Megaton. What about the guys um who made the crank films? What if they made uh Deadpool too? Why not just get Jason Statham to direct it? Or uh <laughs> Ilya Neuschiler, the guy who made uh Hardcore Henry? No. None of these, none of the above. Yeah, so who knows? This is an interesting vacancy, though. Um, what else do we got here? Yeah, we can talk about Billy Lynn's long halftime walk in a sec here. Doug Lyman, though. You like Doug Lyman? Doug Lyman's okay, all right. right? Edge yeah. of Tomorrow. Yeah, guy he's got some good stuff. Go and Swingers. Um, he's coming back for a sequel to Jumper. And it's going right to YouTube Red, going right to the old bargain bin. Moving on to the next story. <laughs> really? Really? Uh, Did you like Jumper? No, right? It, well, you know what? I kind of want to revisit Jumper. It's really poorly made, right? It, like it it's, had its, its moments. It's lazy as hell. Yes. Like it's like a video game story. Like it's The storytelling is so lazy, they're barely even trying to get through to the next set piece, you know, like... There's some interesting stuff there that's they just don't make interesting. Jumper is the story of Hayden Christensen uh, fresh off his uh, Star Wars <laughs> Star Wars role, basically being a guy who can just teleport to anywhere he wants in the world, right? Yeah, but then there's a secret, let's say like the Templars of Assassin's Creed. Kind of cool, man. That hunt down the people that can Sam Jackson, do this. Dude, yeah, like with these weird like digital like lightning um yeah, because it spikes like that he it like catches them. Like yeah, in like the electric a, a field. weird tether that you stick into the ground and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of cool ideas there. It felt like there was more of like a franchise that was we were glimpsing that we never got. Well, I, fuck, I think like at the very end of the film, he goes and like meets his sister he didn't know he had, who was Kristen Stewart, and at the time her star oh, was starting yeah. to rise. Um, so it's like okay, yeah. they very clearly set like they're setting it up. But no, I, I did like that the aspect of Jumper that he he really did abuse his power, like one hundred percent, which is realistic. Like if yeah. you could teleport wherever you wanted, like there's like a lot of montages of him where he'll just like teleport into like a a bank, take some money, grab leave. a bunch of money, then teleport to the top of the pyramid of Giza with like a Big Mac, yep, and just be like chilling on it. Well, hey, if you could go anywhere in the world like that, yeah, why not? Got like his suntan and he's on the fucking. Yeah, I just like, what's the weather like over in Paris today? I mean, yeah, he's on the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff and they kind of did shoot this movie like all around the world and stuff. So I don't know. Jumpers. Could, I think it could have been good. I'm going to rewatch it. Maybe it's a guilty pledge, man. Maybe. Uh, and the last story of the night is Billy Lynn's long halftime walk is a fucking disaster, apparently. Ang Lee's latest film was at the New York Film Festival 
and uh, it's a it's a war like an Afghanistan or Iraq war film. I think Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, guy comes a, a guy comes home. You know, a war hero comes home, and it's literally about him walking across the field at halftime at the Super Bowl to accept some sort of you know his award, medal medal yeah. of honor or something, uh, and he's reliving his experience as he walks up to yeah. the stage across the halftime. Like what? Okay. Well, you know that could be fine. Yeah, but something is weird about this movie, though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna just throw this out there to any budding filmmakers or any established <laughs> filmmakers that happen to be listening to us. Shooting twenty four. Shooting twenty four frames. What the shit? This isn't a hundred and twenty frames per second. So the Hobbit was only. The four- Hobbit looked like a shitty stage play at like what forty five? Forty eight. Forty eight. And it looked like a soap opera. It wasn't enough. We have to go deeper, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So let's multiply that by like three. And what? Why? I don't want to see real life. Like that's what that's the effect that I got from these films. Is I was watching a stage play. Movies don't work like that. They're a very different medium. If you break that, if you break the wall, like you take you take the veil away, the uh, suspension of disbelief Is sort it, of evaporates with that. Like so, that's very important for that it, like it separates you it's stylistically different and people look like they're in costumes and they look like they're in makeup and yeah the extras in the background look like they're extras in the background and- yeah and it looks like you're watching uh, maybe a live performance on stage which i enjoy live performances on stage but they, they look, don't they, work they look terrible whenever you turn it on to pbs and it's running in like 60 frames that's what this looks like like we're going backwards in why we have all this great technology to make films look amazing, filters, all this great stuff, and we decide to go to PBS. You remember when, um, like, we're PBS films? Yeah, on when you watched PBS when you were a kid, and the camera would move around, and there'd be like a candle on the piano, and the candle would leave these trails in the, in the video because it was like really shitty. Oh yeah, magnetic tape or something. Yeah. I remember that. But, but, like, bright lights on the stage would, would leave these weird snake trails as the camera moved around. It was shit. The only thing I this works for is a 100% CG film. Yeah, I'd like to see... Like, in 3D. That would be amazing. A 3D, like a CG 3D experience at 120 frames a second could be nuts. Or, like, Tron. Yeah. Like the third Tron. Something like that. Yeah. But But... This is it's it's to make you a, feel like you're really at in and in, in battle and you're really at in it's like documentary style you're really like apparently they watched a lot of vice documentaries or something like I could be making that up but I think that was sort of their angle they saw like oh this is the kind of footage that people this is the way people see war these so, days I don't know I I'm, I know I'm just speaking for myself here obviously I'm not speaking for the entirety of the world but I myself and a lot of people I know do not go to the movies to experience an actual <laughs> war. Like we want to be told stories about it, which yeah, you know, you feel safe and removed from it. If you're trying to make it as real as possible, no thanks. No, I know. And there's only two theaters in the U.S., the United States, that are even capable of projecting the film in this format. So, it what what a waste of everyone's time, right? Oh like, my god, to to say that this is the preferred format. Just give me a fucking break, right? Like, no one in the history of time from here on is ever going to see your film in its quote-unquote preferred format. I'm way more on board with 70 millimeter 
film mm-hmm. uh, than this. Well, because at least you, those can be reprojected yeah. later. Where, where are you? Yeah. Um, so let's move on if we can somehow. Do, can you think of any sort of segue here? No. Uh, I, no. So speaking of 120 frames per second, how about radio? <laughs> Yeah, delivered to you at 120 frames 120 per second. 120 hertz per second? <laughs> uh, let's get into our review of Potty Pool. Let's do it. What's happening there, Ken? Do you need to get uh, someplace safer? No, no, that, that's not it. I, uh, I, uh... What's going on, Ken? It's gonna... It's gonna sound weird. I can't stop thinking. Do you have a sample? I'm sorry? A sample? Um, a, a sample of what? Uh, just a sample. I think a simple kind of sample. Mm. Mm. This is what I was saying. I need to... I can't stop some... Sample. So, so sample. Sample of what I'm trying to. Sample of what I'm trying to say. Just try to stay calm. Sample Ken. of what I'm trying to say. Grant. Grant. Ken. You know, Ken. I'm just gonna try to. Try to. Yeah. Can you think? I can. I can. I can. Yeah. Stick to simple questions. Simple. Simple question. Simple. 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 That's it. He's gone. So that was a clip from Pawnee Pool, when disc jockey Grant Mazzy reports to his basement radio station in the Canadian town of Pawnee Pool, he thinks it's just another day at work. But when he hears reports of a virus that turns people into zombies, Mazzy barricades himself in the radio booth and tries to figure out a way to warn his listeners about the virus and its unlikely mode of transmission, the English language. All right. Damn. Pawnee Pool was directed by Bruce McDonald and it stars Stephen McCaddy, Tony Burgess, Georgina Riley, Lisa Houle, and Hrant Alaniak as the doctor, who basically just tells us everything that's going on. I'm here for exposition. Yeah, so thanks a lot for that guy. Uh, so yeah, this is a cult Canadian horror film. We did not want to review Jack Reacher this week, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that's okay with you. The other film that came out was Keeping Up with the Joneses, and I talked about that earlier. So it counts. <laughs> it counts. So uh, what did you think of Pawnee Pool? Was it a good choice to fill in? Was this our good Halloween pick for uh, for an empty week? It's a pretty good Halloween movie, I would say. Yeah. Uh, that description you read... I would say it just sounds like another cookie cutter movie until the very last sentence. The the mode of transportation being the English language. Yeah. Like, wait, what? So you might your 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 listener might sort of glaze over and might sort of Yeah. So it's a it's a zombie film yeah, but their attention just tapers off and they wander no, 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 no. Yeah. the English language. All of a sudden, hold on. What did you just say? So they could bite you, doesn't matter. Nope. 
Uh, it can get the blood on you, whatever. It's not infected in the. Uh, it's not an airborne virus. Uh, so yeah, did did that work for you? I guess the, the whether or not you like this movie comes down to what, or I guess basically whether or not that conceit or that concept works for you, um, and and whether or not they sort of pulled it off. I'm gonna say a li- it's a little weird because they don't. I mean, they explain it as much as they can because the characters only know a little bit of what's happening. Even the doctor who is there to be like, "Hey, here's all this information you need to know." Exposition dump. Exposition dump. Um, <laughs> Even he, it's just all theories for him, uh, and he comes out with the theory that it's transmitted through language. Uh, but he also says it's a virus, and I'm I, like, in my head, I'm kind of thinking, what, what? Like, a virus is a physical thing, so d- is the is the virus just there? Like he, it, he does get into sort of how it takes how the how the virus takes hold, which reminds me a bit of like Inception a little bit and stuff. Like there is some interesting stuff in there. There's a copy of the book Snow Crash on the on the wall at some point, which I've never read, but that has that has a, a weird earworm in it. Interesting. So interesting. Um, yeah. So. And the more I thought about it, I was like, well, we don't need to know everything. It could be that the, everyone is infected, just like, say, The Walking Dead, except they die and come back. It doesn't matter how they die. They come back in that show. Like, you're, everybody is just infected somehow. They don't know how they got infected. So in this, everybody could be infected already. There could be this weird virus that's just lying dormant inside of everybody. But now all of a sudden hearing and understanding a specific word will trigger it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Which is super neat. And it feels really... You, you feel very... Like if that were you in that situation, anyone is susceptible. You know, you're vulnerable just by understanding the wrong word, right? There's no way to stop it. That's what got me in the film. Because it's about, I would say, halfway through when the doctor about halfway through when the doctor shows up and he says it's the understanding of it mm-hmm. like you have and it's not the same word for everybody but the people that are infected will start repeating what they've heard yeah, over yeah. and it will pass on the understanding part i thought was very interesting because of i don't want to get into spoilers yet yeah we can but it was an interesting concept and i thought it was delivered very well like this film i i was on board from the get-go um it's Steve McCaddy? Yeah, Stephen McCaddy. Stephen McCaddy. He's, as, as Grant Mazzy. He's really good as Grant Mazzy. Incredible. Like, like from, from the start, we just get the overlay of him on the radio talking about this lost cat. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, Mrs. Jones lost her yeah. cat. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and all you see is the green jumping sharp waveform of his voice right sort of over a radio oscilloscope or something mm-hmm. which was really neat yeah and it morphs into the logo of Pool as he's describing i guess the origin of the town name i guess yes which i thought was very interesting how how in and of itself it was just this amalgamation of language becoming something else mm-hmm. and hey here we go it's Pool. Um, like talking, and I know a lot of you listeners are probably thinking, hey, that sounds like kind of like Panty Pool or something. And that's actually part of the name. Yeah. Like Panty it becomes Ponty and like it's it ex- because, yeah, it ex- of the, because of the French side, a Pont. Piscine and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It explains why it's such a funky name. 
Um, yeah, the oh, the opening I think is brilliant to this, but no, oh, yeah, it's it's so good and uh, it sets the tone very very early because that's he's got a really great voice. We just get the black screen with that, and then we kind of come into a very snowy winter day in the dark. Like it's we don't know what time it is, but we find out later it's morning. Which yes, that is an early morning Canadian winter. Well, you would imagine just pitch black that as some disc jockey would would likely. Uh, you know, for the morning rush, you know, those morning, you know, DJ Rat, rat Face and uh, Scuzzy Pete in the morning, those kinds of shock jock dudes would have to get up at like 3.30 in the morning. Their shows start at like super 5 early. or 6, right? So And then pound a bunch of caffeine. <sighs> caffeine, yeah. Drink coffee, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and so him driving uh, and then pulling over to pick up his cell phone after he threw it, yelling at his agent. So right away, we know that he is kind of a down on his luck guy because he 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 thinks he's better than where he is his agent's terrible we know know he's been fired from something he fires his agent and says you're in now you're in the same boat like me yeah so very quickly we know a lot about this character that's very elegantly done and like a couple of lines we know a lot about this guy and the situation that he's now finding himself in this shitty ass ontario winter five in the morning blizzard like he's this is clearly not this is not where he wants this to is be. not where Grant Massey wants to be at this point in his career and we see like when he pulls over to grab the phone and all of a sudden there's a woman at the window and he rolls it down and she just starts muttering gibberish that was like oh okay what that was weird but then it sort of becomes normal which i like so it's it sets the tone saying hey something weird happened mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. But then he goes about his day, uh, and we get to see that he's now in a, a recording studio that's in the basement of a church, which seems like a far fall for someone like Grant Mazzy. Yeah. Um, and the way that it plays out, because it's a low-budget film. It's like there are four four act like main actors, I would say. And, and to me, that's the brilliance of this. This is a single-location film, so we haven't got to that point yet, right? We all, we've talked about all of this stuff, all of this these rules of this zombie invasion and how it works and how it takes hold. We should mention that this film doesn't leave the confines of a single room in a, in the radio studio, in in a the base, basement the, of a church, the basement of a church. Yeah. The, the entire film, like that's why I love this movie so much. I'm coming right out and saying like, it's a I, good movie. I adore this movie. And the fact that it, cause you could, I'd love to do a stage production of this or go see a stage production of this because it would work really well. It's all in one little recording booth, all of it. And the amount of amazing action and imagination that comes out of just people talking on the radio, it's, it's yeah. It's amazing what they do. It's, With so little, right? Exactly. The script is pretty lean in a good way. It just keeps it moving. Uh, we've got the radio show, talk, the talk show host. He's got a little bit of tension with his producer, kind of smiles at the, I, I, she's not an intern, but uh, Georgina Riley's character, Laura Ann. Laurel, Laurel, Ann. Laurel Ann. Laurel Ann. Yeah, I like it. There's some backstory. She's like an Afghanistan war vet and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's interesting. And so, well, knowing that it's about zombies or whatever, I was like, okay, she's going to be badass, right? Like she's yeah, going to, she's yeah. going to save the day. We don't want to ruin too much, but um, so the the interaction with the three of them, the acting is really well done. Like you can see the relationship between them, the tension between the producer and Grant Mazzy, uh is really well done. Like you you it just cements 
the fact that he does not want to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know why he's there, though. As soon as he opens his mouth, he sticks his his mouth in front of that microphone, and he goes like, "Good morning." You know, it's Mazzy in the morning. It, it sounds perfect. It's like it's a nice sound. Putting in your ears. It's just this nice flowy. You know why he's got, had a career in this, and the way that they, as you said, establish that sort of back and forth tension between the producer and him uh where she's saying like i hired grant mazzy and i need grant mazzy you, you know this you're, you're up here and i need you a bit down here you know i i i i, I want grant mazzy i i hired grant mazzy but this is a bit too much too much grant mazzy. Grant mazzy. <laughs> yeah yeah so like you can see why why he's valuable to their little station because he's such a big name but you can also see why he just needs a job Yes. Any job. Because he has a tendency to be hard to work with from what we <laughs> what we see. Uh, I love that they show and don't tell in for that a lot in the film. But then there is the tell, don't show aspect of it as well, where as the zombie apocalypse or whatever the heck it is, the, the initial outbreak unfolds. It's simply him checking in with their radio chopper and people calling in and them getting little bits of information. and they But they can't verify it because it's not on the newswire. Uh, so just call, people calling in and giving their first-hand accounts of what's going on. Again, how brilliant is it? We'd never leave the station. We just we get a sense of this. It's all in our heads. We get to imagine how horrible it is when uh, Rick, when the Sunshine Chopper, uh, who's does, who's not in who's a not in a Sunshine Chopper <laughs> spoiler, uh, yeah, when he is you know hiding from one of these creatures and. Yeah, and whispering, telling every sort of play-by-play, really tense stuff, and and that's all you need. You know, you don't have the option of show don't tell because it's it it's a one act or one room play yes. kind of thing. And I love that it goes so they take it seriously, and, and Grant Mazzy jumps on this because nothing happens in this small town. He wants a story, he wants something to sink his teeth into and talk about, so he gets fully on board. And the but, producer does too. She's yeah. Since this is sensational shit, and she knows it's big bucks could be in it, right? So they totally get rolling with it, but then it reaches the point where it gets so nuts, what they're listening to, like when they're talking with uh, the radio chopper guy, it's Ken, right? Is the character? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they just hear this weird baby sound coming from the it's getting a bit too scary the mouth of the zombie. He just loses Grant Matthews just loses his shit and can't accept this is happening. So I love that they throw that in. It's mm-hmm. not like they're just like, okay, sweet, let's get on board and talk about this crazy thing happening. It just gets so fucked up that he does have a bit of a breakdown. Yeah, he is in shock. He just does not believe this can possibly be happening. And then I have to go see for myself. Like that's exactly what someone would do in that situation. It, and, and and not just somebody, a Howard Stern-esque kind of person who's fallen from grace, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting character to throw into that situation as well. Yes. So I thought they everybody behaves in a very human manner in this. So, so they're, they're written really well. Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm super impressed with this movie. I love the upside-down headphones. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. You, With you, his cowboy hat? Yeah, you get a sense that he really settles in. He feels comfortable as this this disc jockey. Yeah, he knows his way around shit. that booth. And, and, and I, I really like the idea of him, uh, like, sort of, like, saying, like, you know, have you seen Network? 
Mm, I don't think from the so. 1976. No, um, great movie. But in that, that's where I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. That's where that's where that came from. That line comes from, and it's basically sort of like a TV pundit, like a Stephen Colbert kind of person who gets really riled up on television. Mm. You know, chirping all the bullshit in life, um, and he he's basically. He gets his listeners riled up like, you know, we can't invoke change unless we're mad. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Everyone's shouting out their windows, right? I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. It just spreads. Everybody's yelling. And it's a way to sort of, you know, if we want to change reality, then we're all going to have to get pissed off. And Grant Massey has a has a line early in the movie where, like, he says, I want to sort of. In so many words, like I want to get rile, I want to get my audience riled up. Yeah, because then you'll have these listeners right? that are paying attention. Yeah, yeah. So does that line mean anything? Like he said, he literally says, "I want my listeners to get worked up and pissed off," and then all his listeners get worked up and pissed off and come trying to barge and, cr- and crash his door down. Like to me, I don't know if like this is probably stretching it too far, but like I, I don't know if there's a commentary that's trying to be made here about like celebrity um like fame and back like backlash and like hatred towards you know someone who's famous and if you i could see that it's probably stretching it well not too much i suppose because he's the central voice of this uh this entire film and he you're right he said he wants to get listeners pissed off and the the whole idea with these zombies is they get idea the the phrases and the words and the understanding of it stuck in their head. So celebrities do have that power, and they have a reach. They can reach so many people. Just like uh, the network, you can make this change spread. But in this case, it's not for the better. Yeah, like imagine Justin Bieber said something. He said the wrong thing, and all of his fans turned on him <laughs> and turned into zombies and killed him. Like you know what I mean? Like this. I don't know. Maybe, but. It felt like there's a little bit of a small commentary being made about like you have to be careful as a celebrity because you do have that power. You have if you have a a, a strong voice in in society, um, yeah, you have you have a huge influence on people and and the way they think. And, and that goes and that goes back to the not quite as much Mazzy line. It's like you were here, and so you had that reach. Mm-hmm. Bring it down a bit, but he doesn't, and then this happens. Yeah, he, man, I want my audience riled up, and yeah. that's exactly yeah. what he gets. Um, that's nice. I like that. Right? Yeah. Uh, it fits very well. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is, all of this is so perfectly done. We get all, like, three actors in this whole thing, four, I guess, if you count the doctor, all confined to this tiny little space, um, hearing these firsthand descriptions over the radio. Uh, the doctor was a little weird to me because... Things start going a little wrong inside the the sound area. Yeah. Should we get into spoilers? Maybe I think I think we have to to talk about the rest of this. Yeah. So spoilers for Pontypool, starting right now. Rosebud. So the yeah. first to go would be Laureline. Laurel, Laurel Ann, Laurel Ann. And I, do you think there's a there's a scene earlier in the movie where she takes a phone call? And she doesn't say anything. She she just hears some... Obviously, she hears some garbled nonsense on the phone. But she hangs up the phone and 
just sort of has a very strange look in her face for half a second and shakes it off. So I don't know if that's her catching. It could be. Uh, I mean, I saw this because it was a rewatch for me. So uh, yeah, no, I, re- I remember the moment. Yeah, um, that's probably a good guess because since it's passed by language, if, and if the view, if all of these viewers or li- viewers, these listeners were calling in because they were wanting reports on what's going on. So if one who was already infected is calling in, and, and they're just, just kind of repeating their, nonsense, lose their mind on the phone. That's a perfect way for it to get into uh, and it's, the sound booth. It, it's a trigger word if they're repeating it, right? So yeah. Yeah, she probably caught it then, and then it just slowly festered. Um, but how how amazing is it that like like how much I was talking about how much tension and um, and is created having only three characters in this confined space, but at the same time, like how amazing is it that they create tension and and horror from just a character uh, tripping on a word? That's that's all that you have happening in a scene. A character is just talking, and they'll just stumble. On a single word, yeah, because and that's a horrific moment. And then you, you, you know, uh oh, oh no! All of a sudden, the norm is shattered. Like this is not supposed to happen. What is wrong with you? Like they'll be it's, like, I need to type my shoes, and you go, whoops, uh oh! Like you know, they 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 use a word incorrectly, and it stands out very like mm-hmm. your brain really picks it out when you use the wrong word, right? I'm gonna make a. A tuna sandwich and uh, crumple it. Just a very wrong word choice, and then immediately people go, "Uh oh." Um, I thought that was, an, it was such an easy way, but a brilliant way to create tension. For sure, it, it kind of hits a bit of a primal chord because it's not like make up zombies and crap like that. It's all of a sudden something is wrong cerebrally. Like you can't fight that really. Yeah, it's like as talking that, in your sleep almost yeah, or something. As rip, soon as rip, that happens, you're powerless for, for, for anything like that. I, um, it, it's sort of like when you're in your sleep or you're just coming out of sleep and you try to say something and it doesn't come out. Yeah. Like your, your brain sort you're not of... quite awake yet. <laughs> yeah, it's happened to all of us. Um, yeah, you, you sort of deliver it wrong and you, your brain can't make your mouth work properly. And it's, it's, it's like, it's almost like someone's having a stroke or something is a little bit like what's going on here. So that's why I think, as you said, it's primal. It's so unnatural. It's so. a terrifying feeling that you yeah. can imagine losing control of your your body in that way. Um, yeah, grammatical errors of death is what I wrote here. <laughs> yep. That's um, a good way to describe it. Uh, but yeah, so as we talked about earlier, the, the virus takes hold. This is where the Inception stuff comes in, where... Once you understand a word, so I could say the trigger word to you over and over and over, but as long as you're not like maybe paying attention, only half-heartedly or, listening, uh, whatever. It's when you truly understand the word and like visualize it is when it goes click and it sticks in your brain. That's that's sort of like what DiCaprio and his crew are doing when they're like incepting you, right? Yep. They're like implanting something. So it's it's sort of like when you. You know when you think of something and you can't get it out of your head, you know, like you... The whole earworm thing. Yeah. Reference to the book. And it might not even be anything of any consequence. You might be thinking about like a bowl of macaroni that you made, but it's like something so stupid. But the fact that you're now conscious of the fact that you're thinking about it... Triggers that loop. Triggers that loop. And you just, you, you can't stop thinking about a certain thing because you know you're thinking about it. And then you try to stop thinking about it. 
and yeah. in turn just keep thinking about it more. To make it worse. Yeah, so that's kind of cool, and I, it's realistic, uh, and we all sort of, I think, can relate to that feeling maybe. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. Uh, the fact that it's all info dumped on us from the doctor, that's the it's only... Clunky, it's clunky, isn't it? Li- it's very clunky, but I don't... I don't know how else you would get that point <laughs> into the movie. He, the doctor seems to be aware of how clunky it is almost, isn't he? Like, yeah. The way he's delivering it feels really disingenuous. It doesn't feel like he's coming up with... He kind of feels like the director of the film is just walking on set saying, hey, here, here's what's going on, and then disappears. <laughs> like, and that's then, sort of what I felt. And the doctor went, I think the director meant this like yeah he it does seem like he just does I mean, not and maybe that's a cool way to do it you you tell the, the actor the very bare minimum and then you let them imagine if the like the epiphany of the story or the, the you know of what he's actually the revelation to be dawns on him as he's doing the scene you know I get, yeah it that's is that's a, a gamble <laughs> it would never work but he, it could only work once yeah. but yeah it, it, it would be kind of better if it was not as clunky in this way and um but i guess there's no like you said there's there's literally no way to get around this because everything else is pretty good uh the characters will think and try and reason and figure things out for themselves like when they're trying to beat the word at the end um uh but but this like specifically it's the idea and it's the language like it's all past who the fuck is going to figure that out on their own? So you need somebody to come in. So I, I, I can't think of any better way other than maybe going back to the French broadcast that they received earlier that they translated. I and then the that. very last line is, please do not translate this message as they read it out over the radio. Isn't that the best thing ever? Yeah. At the, at the, I wrote it down. Um, so it's it's Stephen McHattie reading the message. Like, why they would give it to him to read is beyond me. Because, like, doesn't Loreline sort of vet it before she sends it over to his computer? Yes. Or I think she doesn't, and that's why um, I think the director is pissed. She's like, what? You sent it to him already? Yeah, I think she finishes it as he's reading it. So <laughs> Grant Mazzy reads the following. Reads the whole sort of spiel of, like, what's happening. Which came in as a French bulletin that hijacked the airwaves and then they translated what it said because there's no subtitles and at the end of the, the basic translation he says please avoid the english language do not translate this message <laughs> as he read so all of it on air <laughs> and it's a chilling moment because it, it, it feels like you know in these sort of bloody mary kind of horror movies where you know, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yep. You know, once you've said you you gone and done it, you done fucked up, son. <laughs> like you know, once you say the word, you can't undo it. And um, I just I love that. That was a really great moment, <sighs> especially because um, he just like tr- he finishes it and just kind of looks at it for a second. Yeah. Like, oh, and and there's these beautiful like tight close ups of basically just the bottom half of Stephen McCaddy's face and a microphone, and there's moments where his his lip is just quivering as he's delivering these lines. Um, it's it's a brilliant performance. It's so good. Um, and another aspect to, to making this... So the, the fact that this is set... We'll get into the fact that this is set in a recording studio. Like, that's not an accident. That's a very deliberate choice and a brilliant one in terms of how the story unfolds. But another cool way um, is that they actually are sort of sealed in from 
The zombie outbreak? Yeah, because unlike other... I'm going to jump in here. Mm. Unlike other zombie films where they sniff you or hear, or whatever, they are attracted to words. So if they can't hear you in the sound booth, you're typically safe. It's perfect. Yeah. So everyone else in town is all dead because who has a sound booth at yeah, home? Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> right? So it's just another brilliant sort of way to justify the choice of having this whole movie set in a, record, in a, t- a radio station. Um, and... Like, the fact that it's being disseminated, I, I don't know if we get enough of that, to be honest. Like, uh, the fact that... Um, it's hard to do that Grant, in a confined space but, like that. But Grant Massey's words could be infecting people. Like, or is he not infected? Like, I don't... I think anyone can... Like, once once you understand a trigger word... I don't. That's what I'm not 100 percent clear on. I can see why the the um, French government or the you know the Quebec, you know the, the helicopters, French the French military, um, is is wanting to bomb the radio station because he's he's using the English language to pump out like anyone who hears it is susceptible, right? So I, I can see why they have to end the transmission, right? Like that's the goal of the military. Yeah, doesn't work. Um, did you see the stinger? I did see the stinger. That was awesome. We can talk about what the fuck. Um, <laughs> what I really enjoy is, because everybody except Grant Mazzy seems to be infected at some point or another in this film. What, how, what's stopping them from randomly stumbling upon one of the infected words and infecting no, each other? Nothing, which is why they stop talking in English and they, start cause, writing Because eventually down. that is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it does happen to... Uh, is it Rachel? The producer, right? Yeah. Um, so she starts be- repeating words over and over. She starts repeating kill over and over. And Grant, in in this great s- scene, what I love is they imp- introduce another word mind thing, which is known as semantic sati- satiation for anyone who's familiar with that. And that's just saying a word over Sydney. and over and over. It's Sydney Breyer. Sydney Breyer? Yeah. Yeah. That's just saying the word over and over until it doesn't mean anything. And we've all done this. Like, you've been trying to spell something or you're saying a word and you're like, what the, what? This is such a strange word. Like, it doesn't even mean anything. And that's how you beat it. Because it's the understanding of the word that's triggering the change. As soon as you take the meaning away. It's like Dianetics. It's like Scientology. Yep. (laughs) You want to go over that memory and just over and over until you rub it out. So, the, the great scene of him just saying, like, kill his kiss. Kill his kiss. And it's incredible. kill his kiss, kill his kiss, kill his kiss. And it just, all of a sudden, it just becomes something that doesn't mean anything so anymore. You, you cha- and she is okay. You change your your understanding of the word altogether. Yeah. So you can kind of crush the virus. Like you, st- you stomp it out like a bug. Amazing. So good. So much is done in this movie with just so little, like basics, like just the basics of, of three or four character dialogue. And... I love this movie for how much it does with such a limited amount of tools. Um, do you think there's any significance to the fact that only the English language is affected? <laughs> the, the doctor, he's, I think the cool, the cool part about what the doctor does is in his, he catches the virus, right? Yes. And in his state of panic, of I panic, he, he just smartly uses his brain to like, okay, well I'm in a freak. I'm in, I'm in berserk mode now. And my brain is going in loops. So I, instead of just being a nutcase, I'm going to use my intelligence to like go through like logic problems and math problems in my brain before I 
turn into a weird vomiting zombie. Um, so he discovers that only the English language is affected by using a bunch of languages that he knows. And just repeating a word over and over in those languages, but it doesn't have the same effect on him. So I don't know if that's conclusive evidence. Um, the movie does a good enough job of... That, I mean, it's good enough for me. Yeah, it's good enough for me, too. And the, and the French military, apparently, because... Everyone's good, and so at least other languages aren't affected. So, But I think the, the point is made that the English language is affected. So does that have any... Like, does, could, is there any point, is there any political or so, like social point being made with that? I was why, trying to why come up with any social reason for this, and I couldn't. Like, there's no... I couldn't see any specific... Right? Because it is I'm, just I'm the grasping. English language. I, I'm I'm grasping. And I don't want to sound like some hoity. I don't. I don't even think some, some hoity-toity, sort of douchebag, artsy fartsy asshole could find a link here. I. I don't know what it is. If there well, is one. Well, because it is a Canadian film, perhaps there's a lot of Quebecois influence, and you know, the BBC reporter says like, "What your hist- your country's history of French separatists or something yeah. like." Uh. So. The only thing I could think of is it's just it's a comment on how much better French is than English. I, if that's so, it, that's a fun. If if it's that dry and that, which is fine by of, me, like little wink and a nod. Yeah, it's a bit clever, and I if that if that's it, it's it goes with the comedy sort of angle this movie has. Um, well, the little comedy that it does have, like it's got some good jokes in it, but but it's not too serious, is it? No, that's true. Like, right? like the, the very premise of this thing is so out there that it can't be too serious. Yeah. Otherwise... Like, there's a line in it where he says, do we really want to provide a genocide with elevator music? Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but yeah, I, I also wrote here... So, what what is what is this movie trying to say? What What is... What is the result of this chaos? You know, what has Grant Massey created for himself? And I, I can think of a few things... Maybe, namely, like he's, it's the consequences, um, of trying to like sensationalize a story and elicit, elicit an angry public reaction. Like, so this is even more so on the internet now where just like it's all about knee jerk reactions. People saying, oh, that's sexist. That's racist. That's, you know, everything. Yeah. Is, is being offended by everything. Yeah. Um, so. A lot of stations, a lot of channels, a lot of websites, a lot of publications are now just trying to deliver that to their audience. Let's just make this most scandalous, like, let's just sort of wrap it up and serve it to them pre, pre-wrapped to get offended. Um, and they even, like, that's what Grant Massey says at the beginning. I want to basically sensationalize the stories. I want to, you know, want to get him pissed off. He's talking about the weed bust or something at the beginning. Oh yeah, right. And he's saying like he's just trying to rile up his audience, right, and get them more pissed off about a situation than really is warranted. Or even uh, right near the start, there's the hostage situation, which hasn't been confirmed yet. Yeah, turns out to be. <laughs> and he just talks about people being drunk because it's the end of ice fishing season, and the cops are probably yeah. drunk too. Uh, just like trying to make this story more interesting than it actually ends up being. Mm-hmm. It's just like an, a small altercation. And in fact, both police officers, we find out from the producer, are in fact alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. So his little jokiness is, is going to be very hurtful to people over the air. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know if that's... Again, that's maybe reading too far into this. Well, I, 
I'll agree on that that line, but maybe not so specific because this film is from 2008 yeah. before this huge cultural shift. Totally. Um, but I see it more as a warning because language is all you need to instigate change as long as you have enough of a, a reach or wide enough audience. Yeah. It's, it's always been that way. It, like, it, this movie's more about like the power of propaganda and the power of the word. Exactly. And and, and how the media is is you know can can really influence you turn you into a zombie so to speak exactly they're like the media would be responsible for giving you ideas like if you consume it and you're not careful about it 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 can change who you are is sort of what i'm getting from this so it, it is a bit of a cautionary tale to not just take everything in wholesale yeah i love this movie so much it's pretty good man um before we wrap here what in the name of fuck is the stinger i didn't (laughs) oh my god i let this movie go because the credits are kind of weird and they there's a lot of commentary on the credits there's a there's a lot of great for that there's a lot of um fake news sort of audio clippings that sort of maybe explain that maybe so how does this movie end well they get bombed right like grant massey something happens grant massey refuses to stop spouting his uh well because he's he's figured out the cure for this and he he wants to get it out there he figures like i'm just gonna say on the radio everybody kill his kiss kill his kiss say random shit and defeat the meaning of the english words that you are repeating um and you hope you get the sense that maybe that worked but the french government or the french military I keep saying French, Quebec military, Quebec military misinterpreted this and and ends the, because they know that his his words coming out of this radio station have a lot of power. Anyone speaking English right now is at risk. Yeah, especially a guy on the radio. So you get the sense through the credits that maybe it didn't work. Do you do you get that? Like yeah. it seems like this is spreading to other areas. So this film ends with him continuing on the radio with the, his producer Sydney in there with him, uh, with a nice little kiss at the end because when he's saying "kill us, kiss, kill us, kiss, kill us, kiss" earlier, she's drunk and unhappy. She's like, "Kiss me," or mm-hmm. no, she says, "Kill me," which I thought was great. Yeah. And so he kisses her. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but there's a countdown. the The Quebec military is you counting down in French, and then they get to one. And we just cut to black. So they either bombed the radio station or they just stormed it and, and killed them. Who knows? Um, and, and we get a rise of the planet of the apes ending with sort of the virus <laughs> spreading. Spreading, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I was so shocked when we get a, a stinger that looked like it was out of Sin City, by the way. like it's, It was weird. It's, black and white. And it fades into color, but it's like hyper stylized color. Oversaturated. And they're like in Thailand or something, and well, it's Grant like, Massey and uh, and Sydney. Sydney, and and they're like now there's like weird vigilantes. What in the name of God is that? I don't think that's related to the film in any way, shape, or form. What the fuck is it? I think it was just something that they wanted to do for fun, honestly, because it I, is it is the weirdest stinger ever made. It it, it is bizarre, and I do know that Bruce McDonald wanted to do a. Uh, a trilogy like I, I i read from the trivia that there there is a series of films planned i mean here we are eight years later um <laughs> interesting i'd love to see a series like a, a tv show of this would be horrid um 
But I think something else in this so, universe would be very interesting because so I, I love it. Did they get a? So maybe they got away and they're just going around spouting random stuff to try and cure the disease. Because what they say doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like grammatically, it sort of does, but it, it honestly feels out of Sin City. It feels like um, Mickey Rourke and his girl, and they're yeah. like, "We got to get ready for something's coming." You know, like that's basically what I get from it. It's like. Are you prepared? Prepared for what? Some, for whatever's coming? Or, like I don't. And then we'll knock boots or something. Like it's yeah. It it's feels so like random. They, they're like now like Bonnie and Clyde vigilantes now or something. It is uh, crazy. Are they hunting? Is that it? Are they hunting the zombies? Conversationalists? Maybe. I don't know. It's super I, weird. Like I'll have to. I'd, I'd have to study that stinger more just to see if there's anything else in it that's related to this film. But other than it being the actors yeah yeah um my favorite part of the right before that the final thing in the credits was nigel healy um was nigel healy like their bbc affiliate guy oh yeah yeah uh on the air and then he just got he gets caught up on a word and starts repeating it (laughs) yeah phrase amazing yeah uh yeah i i adore this movie i love this movie it's i wanted to get rob on this uh he he shut the movie off 30 minutes in he said he well he tried to watch this film a few years ago cut it off 30 minutes into the movie this time around i watched what yeah i I, this time around i looked at what is around the 30 minute mark and it is the strangely racist afghanistan oh that's weird uh weird people that come in at yeah i don't know what's going on with that uh lawrence the lawrence's of arabia some weird bedouin band i honestly think that's with brown face very bizarre and racist um, and strange. Like, yeah, white people doing Lawrence of Arabia yeah, painting okay, this. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, it, it just, I think that was simply there to hammer down that this is a small town. And this is the normal shit you get like, on this yeah, radio station. You just get ridiculous stuff. It's to and, contrast with how crazy this shit is that's happening around the station. It's like, we, who cares about this dumb shit right now? Look what's happening around us. Right? I think that's the... And the, the, and we get the weird looking brown face girl. Yeah. Who's who she's the first starts person tripping on the word. She's the first person to go. Yeah. Um This movie's amazing. I think it's pretty obvious we're both kind I've, of I had never heard of this film before. <sighs> and I'm so sad that for I could have watched this eight years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a great film. I I love this movie. It's it, to me, um the perfect vertical viewing fodder like it's canadian it's not well known it's super cult you know yeah culty i don't know where like uh, if you're listening to this from outside of canada it might be a little hard to find i hope you can get it um uh, i give this movie an eight and a half out of ten. Oh, i am right there with you are you yeah two of those two eight and a halfs it doesn't like i wish we had more of the commentary the kind of stuff that we were saying isn't there when we sort of reach deeper into the grab bag of pawnee pool we don't pull much back in our clutching in our fists here um i think if, if there was more commentary social commentary more satirical stuff it would push this into like a nine nine and a half well yeah it was close for me because it is there it's just not nearly as focused yeah as it could have been yeah um that's our review of Pawnee Pool. please go see this movie you can find it on blu-ray uh yeah, you can order it online. I I don't know of any video, video on demand services. I I looked here and I couldn't find it on demand. Been on Netflix up and down. I I mean I've seen it on the U.S. Netflix from oh, really? time to time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Pontypool. 
please watch Pawnee Pool. Please let us know. If you disagree or agree with our takes, email verticalviewing at gmail.com. You can look it up, or it's spelled P-O-N-T-Y-P-O-O-L. Pawnee Pool. Pawnee Pool. Oh, One goodness. word. Uh, that should do it. Next week, we are reviewing Inferno. Starring Tom Cruise. We're going in for Angels another... Angels and Da Vinci Inferno. Yeah, we're going for another Angels and Da Vinci's, another Dan Brown adventure. Uh, which, do you remember those Canadian mystery novels, the Tom and Jane Austen, Eric Wilson? Do you remember him? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. This Canadian author is really lame and cheesy, but he wrote all these mysteries about different locations in Canada, so uh, Spirit in the Rainforest on Vancouver Island, Code Red at the, at the West Edmonton Mall or something, and Vampires, uh of ottawa or something like that like you know, it's, it's ridiculous i love canada but we're still we're a very new nation <laughs> yeah, and these dan brown novels feel like they're kind of like for maybe middle school kids man young, young adults i think they're they're yeah um they're like, but i i don't want to belittle anyone who likes these because i'm i'm a i'm a fan of reading the books as they're well. really good they're we just talk- not overly complex we talked about this before we uh, got on the air. Is that yeah, Angels and Demons is really fun. Yeah, uh, the movies are nowhere near as good as they should be for the sort of source material. I think you're going to get a better adventure out of the National Treasure films. Oh man, National Treasure! Those do a better job of what the Angels and Demons movies uh, kind of do. I, I I recommend those over that. Uh, so, but anyway, so are we going to do prediction scores for this? For our scores on Inferno? Yeah. I think it's going to be the best of the three Ron Howard, Tom Hanks. Ooh. So what's that, uh, like a seven and a half, an eight? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I I heard this one's good. All right. So we'll see. Mike, where can we find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at uh, Michael R. Lind. Nice. I tweeted one thing this week, <laughs> and it was the link to the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Ooh. Yeah, do, do more of that. I mean... As you do, you get more uh, bots of naked ladies that just show up randomly on Twitter. It's, I'm so tired it's of those. 80% of that. Um, I am on Twitter at Scott Wilson BC. That's with two L's. You can follow the show at Vertical Viewing on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email us. Like I said, let us know what you think of Pawnee Pool or any other movie that you see. Verticalviewing at gmail.com. Yeah, please, please write in if if you've never heard of this film and us talking about it has convinced you that this is something you want to see. Just go see it; it's fucking dope. Check it out and write in oh and let God. us know what you think of we it. Really want to know. Uh, you can also go onto iTunes, type in Vertical Viewing Podcast, leave us your latest and greatest recipe. What did we ask for? Pumpkin, off the top? not pumpkin. Sorry, pineapple no, something. We did not want pineapple pumpkin. sponge cake. Pineapple sponge cake, please. Uh, yeah, and verticalviewing.com is our website. Please click on the old donate button. Help us keep the lights on. Offset the cost of seeing movies. Putting on the show. Carving out a little bit of that internet turkey. Mm-hmm. Giving it to you. It's a bit cold now because it's a week or two sitting in the fridge, but... That's all right. It's, people like that. We're coming up on American Thanksgiving Yeah, we can soon, buy so more. We'll some more. Buy work. another one. Uh, yeah. Click the PayPal button, like I said. We appreciate anything that the listeners can donate. Anything at all is, is good. Uh, we appreciate all of it. Any final thoughts, Mike? Stephen McTaddy? McHaddy. Yeah, give this guy Man. some awards, eh? I've seen him in some other stuff, and he's been pretty good, but this was a really good performance. Yeah, like, I'm 100% on board. Apparently, he's on The Strain. I've never watched that program. Yeah, it's 
not good. Yeah. He's a brilliant Canadian actor. I, I wish we got more of him uh, in other stuff. I root for him wholeheartedly after this, especially. Yeah. So. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that should do it. Thanks for listening, kids. And as always, see you next week. Keep it vertical. What?